Hello. Hello. Welcome, everyone. I'm Jennifer Hadley. I'm so grateful to be able to introduce Venerable Dahani Wahoo. Venerable speaks directly from her heart, offering pure wisdom teachings of direct insight and practical application in the tradition of Cherokee and Woodland View and Tibetan Buddhism. These are the mother and father streams that energize Venerable and are the foundation of all that she shares. Venerable's topic today is clarifying the view, who you are and how do you express such wisdom. Welcome, Venerable. Well, thank you, Reverend Jennifer, for this opportunity. And hello to each of you who are presently on the line and those who will listen in the future. Recall that your natural state is luminosity, and the dance of potential has given rise to the form that is you and the dance of your life. The way you see the world is according to how you've conditioned your view, and now is the time to awaken and sweep away those projections of thoughts, those responses to the universe that no longer serve you. So who is this person called I? Great potential, wisdom, inseparable from the field. This field of energy, it is mind, it is potential. And each of us is connected in this field. Like explorers, we put on a cloak of a human body exploring the possibility, and many then forget that they are one with the field. Arising information in the realm of quantum physics coincides more and more with the view of the mystic. So what is the field? It is energy, it is potential. What we see most clearly is that how we look at the world brings about certain results. So in some of the martial arts trainings, one is taught to practice something for three months, uh, and in so doing, the change is made in the brain and in the muscles of the body. Also, by imagining oneself accomplishing particular action, so by imagining that you are a kind, accomplished being, which you are, it is your natural state, and that your conversations and your activities are joyful and you generate a field of good cheer. So thinking this thought actually magnetizes it and brings it into fruition. When we consider who we think we are, it is a collected parcel of information, the projections of family and friends, and also the information that we've carried from other times into this moment, whether it was yesterday or whether we look through the long-term view of many lifetimes, thought forms are energy packets of information which magnetize results in this moment. So whether you are certain about karma or not, 
one thing is clear, the thoughts that we think and the way we treat one another also circle back. So in an immediate sense, one may recognize that on the days in which you uh, respectfully communicate, honor the light in other beings, those are the days that people seem to love you and respond with joy. So in a simple way, you may reformat your view, clarify your view from the idea of separation to first testing and then recognizing the interaction of your thoughts and speech with the way in which others respond to you. So what is the test? The test is that for the next three months, you will see each human being as luminous. And when you hear words that seem ignorant or divisive, you will place your attention on the harmonious resolution. Rather than energize the dissonance, your heart-mind intention is to recognize the ideal and to move towards that ideal and to know that it is rising within you. So how does it feel? clear view. It means that we may look at the wind blowing the trees and see just that. And as we observe the wind blowing the trees, we can also hear the sweet medicine of the wind and give appreciation for the sweet oxygen generated by the tree. A simple way of affirming one's connection with the dream. So what does it mean, a dream? It means that what we see, even the movement of the clouds across the sky, are momentary appearances. In a flash, the sky may change. And in a flash, we change our view to the recognition that all beings are interconnected and that there is a seed of wisdom within ourselves and others. And thus we replace the speech of yesterday, the speech of reaction or doubt, with the voice of affirmation. I am awake. I choose to manifest compassionate speech in action. And Experience in your heart the energy of compassionate speech and action. Recall a moment wherein your heart met with another, where perhaps it was a poem or the kind words of a friend that eased your heart and opened your view. So placing attention on those tastes of awareness like hearing the cricket singing in the forest, you recognize the ongoing song of liberation as a seed within. So neuroplasticity is a way in which many describe the process of our learning and that we are not fixed in one way of being. Through the process of neuroplasticity, 
we can replace those thought forms that do not serve to express joy, wisdom, and compassionate action with the ideal we aspire to. And so feeling in your heart, mind, body those moments of joy energized the realization of accomplishment and the skillful methods to transmute what appears as dissonance. So nothing to run from, nothing to run towards, just to recognize that in this moment there is a seed of awakened energy and perhaps you contemplate that awakened activity through an archetype of skillful action. Feel the intention, the energy of that awakened activity in your body-mind. Imagine it. What does it feel like to be an accomplished, loving human being? What is the ideal to realize the awakened mind? Imagine it. Sense it. Feel it. Tap yourself on the thigh as a reminder that you are placing your attention upon the archetype of awakened skillful action, whether it is a religious ideal or it may be the mentor who inspires you or a particular religious icon, that ideal may be experienced within you. That you may contemplate it and observe it means there is resonance with that wisdom stream. So clarifying the mind is also pacifying the inner appearance of conflict. What is conflict? It's basically not acknowledging that wisdom that is within you. And also there may be the conflict of view and action. So you may view yourself in a certain way according to the mind's chatter and the experiences of yesterday. And in this moment, you make a choice. You dedicate your thought, word, and action to realizing the awakened state, understanding the connection of thought and matter. Just that intention opens the door. I take refuge in that seed of awakened mind that myself and others may realize wisdom. May the seeds of confusion reveal the seeds of wisdom and skill. So what does that mean? It means that the emotions that in the past you sought to run from, in the moment you recognize the replacement thought of that emotion. So perhaps there was the energy of fear. You replace it with the idea of joyful accomplishment. What are you certain of? Place attention on certainty. And as you inhale and exhale, consider your appreciation for the dance of life, those who have been your parents, those who have been your guides, 
and recognize that there is a energy that unites every being and this energy is moving through you some would describe it as electromagnetic potentials in the quantum field and the way we choose to think energizes and magnetizes and draws into the appearance of our lives uh, certain results so you can get a simple understanding of karma. So the first step is to pacify that inner conflict that yes, you are worthy, yes, there is wisdom within. And now in this moment, you pacify the conflict of separation, separation from that wisdom state by purifying your speech and action. So how does one purify speech and action? By speaking the words of invitation. This I aspire to so that myself and others may be free of confusion and suffering. What is suffering? We're born, we get older, we experience um, illness and death, and in the process we also experience wanting things, getting them, realizing we didn't want them. So considering the gift of mind and wisdom's natural state, the aspiration is to observe and rest in natural wisdom, to pacify the appearance of conflict, Replacing the thought forms that have given rise to suffering, replacing such thought forms with the ideal we aspire to, and with the joy of imagination, experience within that awakened state. First, it may be imaginary, and over time, you recognize it as your natural state. What is there to purify our view? So when we look and we see the, our enemies, we are energizing enemy. When we look and see the subtle energy of the electromagnetic quantum field's potential and that we choose to energize compassion, then we are contributing to skillful action. Very simple. Joy becomes a magnetizer and a generator of events that illuminate. So to place one's attention on the joy markers is a purification and a replacement of attention upon the energy of dissonance. So what are joy markers? There are those moments when you heard the music of the forest or experienced uh, laughter simultaneously with a friend. There are moments of deep, quiet understanding. So let your heart-mind Consider the view as a choice that 
through conditioned awareness, we may have looked at the world as other and people as other. Through the heart's awareness, we see a continuous exchange and flowing opportunity of human family working cooperatively and transforming the causes of suffering. So what are some of the causes of suffering? There are the unkind words we think of ourselves and others. There are the unkind actions that cause harm. So making the vow to speak carefully, choosing to cause no harm, also clarifies one's view, that you see more clearly the seed of wisdom within and the potential in arising situations to reveal skillful accomplishment and joy. So it is for each of us to, with the power of imagination, imagine the connection, what it feels like to be that awakened being, the seed of which exists within, your ideal, the archetype that inspires you. Imagine walking as that being. In this way, you energize your aspiration and your accomplishment. So one may think, oh, not good enough. This is wrong, that is wrong. Consider the view that you have seen the possibility and choose to move towards that possibility. So who are you? You're an energy being, not separate from the field and in the dance of dualistic exploration. The fire is hot and the food may burn. And in the realization of the heart's great compassion, everything is perfectly balanced. The fire warms, the life force grows, and the life force is the river revealing the reflection of our potentials that have been expressed through thought, word, and deed. So in this very moment, we clarify the view by pacifying inner conflict through restoring the ideal of our aspiration, paying attention to and energizing, experiencing physically through the power of imagination, the activity of that awakened being. Simple and like a child's fairy tale, it also reveals the connection of our minds building. So what do we do in this moment? You have an important meeting coming up. Rehearse the ideal you want, words you will speak, speak them kindly, experience within the accomplishment of activity that is beneficial to family, clan, all those relatives. Understand 
that the seed of wisdom is within. So the chatter of the past is replaced with the invocation of the present and the ideal that is dedicated to joy, understanding, and transformation of what appeared as suffering or separation. When we look at one another, the power of our glance has an impact. And so let us practice looking at ourselves in the mirror and seeing ourselves as luminous beings. Look in the mirror and see the loving essence of that wisdom being that you are. Consider the experiences of your life and choose those moments of joy as the rhythm that carries you forward in time and space. In this moment, in every moment, we are continually reborn. And so in observing the face in the mirror, we can recreate the experiences of our moods and also our um, temperament. So observing the face in the mirror, oh, you're a happy being, another day has come, I am thankful, another day has come. And you perhaps in the past were taciturn, and in the momentary exercises in the mirror, practice the happy face of kindness to oneself and others. And so... First, you may put upon a happy face, and then you recognize through the movement of those muscles and the changing chemical cascade that happiness is experienced within. So clarifying the view is to understand that all appearances are energy and that we ourselves have the capacity through our speech and action to energize the ideal of compassionate, awakened skill. And so I give you an exercise to practice for three months where you look each day and acknowledge your being and give thanks. And you also acknowledge that wisdom being that is you and speak with the voice of invitation inviting forward joy and skillful accomplishment. Sometimes people may do this on a daily level. On this day I shall accomplish these particular things. I shall see the wisdom nature in each person. I will listen without interrupting. I will energize the awakening potential in self and others. And so you may choose those areas of exploration for yourself, uh, and I recommend that you do it daily, and you affirm that on this day, I am kind. On this day, I accomplish a particular result that my family, my team, my coworkers, 
that we may accomplish with joy our aspiration. So the inner speech, the chatter, ripples in the field best to energize the words of invitation and accomplishment. So uh, this ends the uh, lecture part of our conversation. And I trust you will recognize that your body, mind, emotions are all energetic opportunities, nothing to run from or run towards. Your natural state is luminosity. Energize that wisdom for the benefit of all. Thank you, Venerable. And for those who would like to ask questions, if you're on the phone or the web call or Skype, it's star two on your keypad to raise your hand and ask Venerable your question that way. And people can also type in a question on the website there in the question box. So either way, star two on your keypad or you can type in a question. And while we're waiting for those questions, Venerable, uh, I have a question about clarifying the view, which is some some spiritual students in their practices, uh, and I, I particularly see this in uh, some religious views, uh, there is the belief that people are sinners or that they have some dysfunction, some problem, and so they're doing their spiritual practice, whatever it might be, to remove that which is bad or wrong or sinful or less than, and what I'm wondering is, in terms of clarifying the view, would it be more effective to for that spiritual student to recognize their pristine nature rather than think there's something that's undesirable that's covering up my pristine nature and I have to remove it? Would it be more effective to just simply affirm the pristine nature. Indeed, to recognize the natural state of mind as wisdom, natural luminosity, and to energize the awakening ideal brings uh, better results, more clear realization. The response to uh, bad, not good, and running from does not transform the energies of not good. What is not good is what is not recognizing oneself as part of a field, a field of love, of light, communication. We can call it God or mind. And so the wise practitioner understands that certain behaviors are obstacles to 
seeing things clearly. So replace those thought forms, those behaviors, with the ideal that one chooses to accomplish. So someone who is a Buddhist would understand to replace certain behaviors of grasping and thinking oneself separate from others. A Christian learns the heart of compassion, to cultivate compassion for beings. And we all understand the significance of purifying our speech and our activity. So what is there to purify? Certainly those actions that are causing harm are to be replaced with activities that generate compassion and ease the cycle of suffering. And very often it begins in one's own mind. What is the thought form, the behavior that is causing dissonance? In many instances, it is the concept of not worthy. Having the gift of the human body shows that there has been accumulated merit. So why not to waste this precious opportunity? And where we see thoughts or behaviors that are creating uh, more suffering in oneself or in relationship, then consider the ideal and replace the behavior with the ideal. So, for example, uh, someone has worked hard all day. They come home and the children run to say hello. And the parent is grumpy, oh, go away, go away. And uh, this is making sadness in the heart of each family member. And so tired worker knows this. Next day coming home decides to replace that usual response of go away, I'm tired with how wonderful to see you. Let's sit for a bit. So, yes, there is what is wisdom and life force supporting and there are those thoughts and actions that are not. And so to very quickly uh, eliminate in our speech and our activity that which is harmful is the first step. So when someone begins to practice to avoid going to hell, um, that is a beginning of practice. And ultimately one sees the harm act, the harmful activities that uh, can take one to negative realms. And those harmful activities express in the moment those negative realms. So yes, there is a future and there is a past, and in this very moment, we can recalibrate and retune to the intention of compassionate activity. Is someone born in sin? Certainly, we come with the magnetic attractors 
songs and echoes of previous times, whether you believe in karma or not, there are certain echoes that are carried and become the basis of our human form, the questions left unanswered that bring us around the circle again as family members, co-workers, friend or foe. And in this moment, to energize and actualize the prayer of unity and understanding that we are one, cut the threads of further generation of foe, enemy. So even the thought form of I'm doing spiritual practice to avoid going to hell or whatever, the idea that one is a sinner um, can be an opening door to understanding the impact of mind, our thoughts, our action, and that we have choices. What is important is not to abdicate one's spiritual authority, but we have the capacity to energize what is liberating or, or not. And so the conditioned view, the comfort-seeking, the idea of wanting or control over can uh, contribute to the generation, as does contribute to the generation of suffering, forgetfulness, and harm. Understanding that every being is precious, all life is precious, and that birds like a wind blowing through the field also have an impact on the qualities of our lives. We prune from our speech and thought those words that cause harm. So whether one goes to spiritual practice from the belief of being a sinner or horribly wrong, uh, what, or one realizes there is a potential of wisdom and joy within, what is significant is attention to the awakened ideal not to the sin or the confusion, to the recognition that there are ideals of uh, illuminated activity that assuage uh, and begin to cut the causes of suffering. And so what we learn to pull the threads from in our own mind are threads of uh, dislike, jealousy, um, discord, blame, shame. Uh, in this moment, we energize the ideal of that awakened being. So what is the archetype, the image of that awakened being? It is according to each one's nature. So uh, myself, it is of, uh, a powerful woman. Uh, who also is a, a spiritual teacher. 
and uh, a vortex of energy that inspires wisdom in all. That is uh, an archetype. We call it a a yidam. Uh, and also, this yidam has a masculine aspect. And so in the dynamic dance of the human condition, consider the ideal and the ongoing creative process of mother wisdom and father skill in one's own life. So ignorant, perhaps a sinner, perhaps, and ultimately an awakened being sweeping from the mind, clarifying the speech and view that that wisdom potential is continuously revealed and expressed. This compassionate activity is the joy of the dance. Thank you. What a wonderful answer, <laughs> Venerable. Mm-hmm. We have Shan raising her hand. I'm going to unmute you. Shan, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. I'm so grateful to be here this morning with Jennifer and Venerable and everyone. Um, I believe you just answered my question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, maybe in a different, more specific way. Uh-huh. Uh just to make sure, um, and it has to do with relationships and truth and clarifying the, the view and working with the ideal. If you're in a relationship and a person does something continually that either just bugs you or irritates you or you think is a major flaw in your character, whatever, right, and, they, and you have a commitment in this relationship to tell the truth, and they ask you what is wrong. So in everyday kind of thinking, you think, well, this is what's wrong with you, right? Because this is what you're doing that's bugging me. So, um, But what you're saying, I think, is that, or what I feel is that instead of saying, well, because you do this or you did this or you think this way or you act this way, um, I feel that that is discursive or irritating or whatever that specific is, then you're saying that, are you saying that you would see that person as a luminous being, yourself as a luminous being, and respond in that way? Well, yes. In a simple way, when there are difficulties in communication and relationships, the first recognition is that we are in charge of our own response. We are in charge of our emotions. Mm-hmm. And so it is not just another doing. It's how do I respond to so-and-so's behavior. And by my response of uh, clearly enunciating uh, an intention for cooperation without uh, blaming or shaming, I am energizing uh, a potential ideal 
of clarity. Well, I know that you do that, Venerable. I've seen and experienced you doing that over and over and over. And so that example has always been there. But I'm just curious, does it work with children? Oh, yeah. It does? Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because children also feel, and actually they sense more uh, readily than adults, the energy of the moment. Mm-hmm. So we can show what is appreciated and what is enhancing in our communication by honoring the positive. The the behavior that is elicited or that you're seeking in terms of communication, when it occurs, we honor it rather than giving energy to what we think is uh, not so good. Because mm-hmm. where we place the energy, that's what grows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in relationships, you work with it within yourself as well as your view of the other person. Yes. Working it simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also it is important that we have uh, clear guidelines uh, in relationship. So I know that I make time for this call and this call is is precious and all that we share in these moments are precious. And so while the dogs may bark and the bells may ring, this is my first attention. So when we are considering our relationships with family members, we know that we've committed ourselves to work together, to grow together. And when there are moments of perhaps not fully understanding, then we state clearly, oh, this is what I was anticipating. When we say you do this or you do that, we are not acknowledging our own responsive uh, action. Mm-hmm. So to to model what we wish in our relationships and to honor it when it is expressed is a very joyous way of being and actually brings uh, very positive results. Mm -hmm. And then I can hear in the background some people saying, well, what do you do with people who are abusive or how do you work with people who uh, do not understand the cues of what is right relationship or uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when people do not understand, it is our responsibility to create the very clear uh, boundaries, membranes for healthy relationships. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's very deep, you know, it's a very deep because are you saying that that's how you generate peer view as well? By working 
pure view is you recognize that ultimately that we are, as we recognize it, that we are all one in the dance of life, bubbles arising momentarily from the clear light potential. And in the relative expression of this clear light potential, we see the action as a display and we energize communication with the seed of wisdom and the skillful, uh, compassionate result that we choose to manifest. Like in your instance, you have taken the vow, or the bodhisattva vow, so every moment is an opportunity to nurture the seed of wisdom mind and to transform those thought forms that give rise to causing harm and also uh, not only presently but future. So understanding the uh, the physics of mind power, we know through the, and then we apply the bodhisattva vow, we see how attention generates particular results. So our attention is on realizing Buddha mind and cultivating those activities that uh, bring self and others to the shore free from illusion through the transformation of confusion. So nothing is run from even the appearance arising of confusion uh, is energy that when uh, seen in its natural state ultimately reveals a skillful method. Like, as you know, say the energy of jealousy. Um, it becomes so kids can express that and also it becomes in its awakened state when it is seen as an energy potential, it becomes skillful action. Yeah. Um, so when you have a commitment to telling the truth, that is the truth. The truth, truth is, the, is the truth is the bigger expansive view. The truth is is that we are all here and we've made a choice to be here together and ultimately any appearance of dissonance is an opportunity to realize our wisdom nature. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Venerable. You're welcome. <laughs> And we have, excuse me, we have a question written in by Antoinette, who writes, how does one prevent jealousy? When talking to someone who is suffering, I try to listen with a compassionate heart. But if they ask how I am, and I'm doing well and happy, I don't want to share because I want them, I don't want them to suffer more by feeling jealous. What is a suggestion? Ah, when you are feeling well, it is 
good to let it be known that it is possible. When you experience others who uh, appear to display jealousy, acknowledge the steps they have accomplished. Often in the view of old Cherokee people, jealousy was considered a most dangerous uh, thought because it meant the one who was jealous did not recognize they had access to that which they saw. So when we are sharing with others who may have forgotten they have access to joy or accomplishment, point out in a kind, loving way how wonderful that this or that is occurring for you. Even when they're saying, oh, how awful, everything has fallen away. Oh, so-and-so is very ill and my, uh, I must take care of them by myself. Oh, I hear your sorrow and you are strong and kind to take care of that other person and may that kindness be returned to you. So to point out the return pulse potential of joy even in the moments of sorrow. Is that helpful, dear, Antoinette? Did she respond? Sorry, I had my mute button. Um, she is not responding by writing yet, uh -huh. uh, but perhaps she will. And for those who are on the phone, star 2 to raise your hand on your keypad, star 2. And you can write in, as Antoinette did, and as Sebastian in France has written in, uh, he writes, Dear Venerable, to listen at your precious and invaluable teachings require the full presence of all my being. Dear Venerable, Great Mother of all noble beings, please listen to me. My only prayer at this very time is that... Tr mm. It's not quite making sense here. Um, interconnected conditions... Through this webcast, a heart-to-heart -heart relationship is being established that unite your wisdom nature to my heart-mind nucleus. Please consider me and may you take care of us beings at this time for still a very long time. Thank you so much. Sincerely yours. So, no question there. Thank you, there. Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Yes, the heart of wisdom, mother wisdom, a song within our hearts through our aspiration to realize joyful wisdom to ameliorate and transform suffering that all may recall their natural state and reach the shore free from illusion is my commitment 
And may that wisdom potential within you and all of those we meet be realized. Antoinette writes in, yes, thank you. Ah, good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your wisdom. That was very helpful, she says. And while we're waiting for the next question, um, you spoke in the teaching, Venerable, about making the vow to speak carefully. And one thing I notice is that sometimes spiritual students are very hesitant to take a vow because they don't trust themselves to keep it. What if the idea of taking a vow brings up too much fear for people to move forward? Um, I think it is better to have the vow as an aspiration and a, a life rope to take us from the rapids of confusion to uh, standing on a shore. So for me, a vow is like a, a lifeline. It establishes a, a path across the waters. You may not have seen the stones, yet when you have the, the vow as a commitment, you find the stepping stones. So when we take a vow and we think we cannot keep it, we take it and we keep it. And then if we fall down, we stand up again and we reaffirm the vow. So what I'm uh, hearing is that it's similar to saying something like, I'm going to take a trip to Boston. And it, it, that trip may take a while, it may take a short time, but I'm taking a trip to Boston. And uh, if you get sidetracked on the way, then you can always remember, oh, right, I'm heading to Boston. But if you just stay where you are and you don't have any intention to go anywhere, you probably uh -huh. won't get there. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good way of describing it, Jennifer. Yes. So also taking a vow, we understand, oops, I, I forgot where I was going. I look again at the map and I uh, purify that thought or behavior by replacing it again with the ideal and affirming the vow. It's like saying, uh, bless everyone except so-and-so. Mm. Um, so that is definitely a, a, a stepping off the path. And so let me forgive so-and-so. Let me change my response to so-and-so's behavior so that I and others may reach the shore free from confusion. Is so there's there... also correction. Yes. Say, say more about that, please. So um, 
Buddhism coming to the Americas, it, uh, I first experienced it, I guess, in the early 60s. My father was an artist living in Greenwich Village, and so I could put on white lipstick and visit the coffee houses and listen <laughs> to people's poetry. And uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead was a, a gateway uh, to understanding. It, it offers uh, explanation for the archetypes as expressed in my family's culture. And it also uh, gave opportunity to uh, divest oneself of the fear of death and dying to the recognition of cycles of life and uh, a memory of uh, continuity. So the, that first wave of Buddhism coming to the United States opened the hearts of many people, and many people began uh, sitting Zen, and then later when the Tibetans came, like in the 70s, then people began to take uh, Vajrayana vows and make commitments to practice uh, certain sadhanas and mantras on a regular basis. And uh, then over time, many returned to work or uh, caring for their families and the commitments they made to all of those practices uh, may not have been fully kept. And then they found shorter ways of keeping the commitment with the mantra. So that's a, an example, like we made commitments uh, to realize Buddha mind and to practice certain sadhanas and also family arose and business arose and uh, the ways in which those sadhanas were kept and the samaya vows need to be restored uh, on a regular basis. So you you haven't lost it. It's uh, waiting for you to fully participate again. So in that way, uh, someone who has made a commitment and they feel they have not uh, lived up to it, they can uh, prepare for the causes and conditions that they may practice again. So for example, a human being has said they would not uh, kill flies or kill anything. And uh, in the verse, they're driving along and they, a bird flies in front and is across their glass window and it is dead. So the creature has died. The affirmation and the commitment has been made in many lifetimes to cause no harm. And so one makes prayers that that being that died on the windshield may be reborn in a state of well-being. And also one stops to consider what uh, 
may I do what is the significance of that action? Uh, perhaps to slow down, pull over, think, make a prayer, and uh, whatever has arisen, there is the opportunity to restore through mindful prayer contemplation that I reaffirm my vow of causing no harm. Is clear? Yes. Thank you, Venerable. Yes. I could ask some follow-up questions, but we have a question here from Jenny, who writes in, Hi, Venerable. I work in the child protection system. Uh, she's in Ireland, which has been a great opportunity to grow and heal. I've become aware of how much I've resisted the experience and that I've spent a lot of time becoming angry and complaining. I don't wish to be stuck in this anger or complaining anymore. I can acknowledge now the external pressures of working in this area and desire to allow these pressures and trapped energies to transmute through my consciousness rather than resist it. I find it a challenging job, but I'm excited. I'm a bit unsure of how to move into this new space. Do you have ideas you could share? Thanks for being you. Yes. I first want to thank you for your mindfulness and care and working in an area where one uh, directly uh, sees and experiences the suffering that many uh, have experienced. And to recognize you are able to create a pathway of benefit, safety, a lifeline for others is indeed something wonderful. Each time you can bring a bit of peace or ease to a family or safety to a child, that is a time of great jubilation. The systems have their need for paperwork. Uh, this can be uh, sometimes stymieing, and also it can be heartbreaking to see that those who were intended to give love did not know how to and thus have caused harm. It also gives you an opportunity to guide people to the resources that they can change the pattern of harm causing and also liberate uh, children from situations of harm. So I invite you to think of yourself as blessed by the Holy Mother and to, to sense those blessings of compassionate care sustaining you. Uh, the dynamics of the office and um, also the seeing the suffering of families is indeed difficult and you have an aspiration and it is a deep heart compassion and that there are others who have that same compassionate intention. And it is good. 
even when you think you have no faith, uh, the work you choose is an affirmation of a commitment to the Holy Mother and sends her support of you and all those you touch. So it is not you who does all the work. The energy, the flow of compassion moves through you without dogma. Be sustained by the heart of mother wisdom as you are. And thank you. Thank you, Venerable. Um, as a follow-up to that, uh, many people find that their work, their life, they find it exhausting at times. And in A Course of Miracles, um, one of my favorite things that it says, it says, rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. And that what I'm hearing you share with Jenny is to not think that she's doing it alone and that she is connected to this infinite resource. And that's true for all of us. Can you give us some other ways that anyone, um, say a parent who feels overwhelmed by their children or uh, anyone, uh, someone who's caring for an elderly parent or anyone in any situation where they're finding themselves overwhelmed or exhausted, that they can tap into that infinite resource. Yes, for all those kind beings, those caregivers who are supporting family, co-workers, and those beings who are working to sustain their families in situations that may be um, challenging. Understand that you are sustained by your heartfelt aspiration, a direct connection to the power of love, the stream of recreation, and attention to those moments of ease initiate the invitation for further support. So it is not you who needs to do it all yourself in the instance of the um, family member who is being the sole caretaker for elders or the single parent raising children alone, recognize those points of ease and let them be a celebration. And also set in your schedule times for those celebrations. time in which you receive, for example, a working a single parent, 
choose two times a month where you'll take time together with your loved ones and uh, sing, listen to music, walk in the forest or by the seashore, take note and energize those times of celebration. Also, invite others to join you or recognize others who have a similar uh, experience and share in the moments of accomplishment. In a sense, it is like caring for a garden. So for those who are caring for elders or youngsters or someone who is ill or someone who has special needs, to create moments of joy and also to share with others those moments of joy. So taking care of one's own physical body and uh, mind, spirit is important. And acknowledging the opportunity experienced and sharing with another what you've learned. And you do not need to do it alone. Invite a friend, single mothers working together. This day I will care for your children. Oh, those who are caring for elders, this day you go out, I will visit your auntie, your grandma. Recognize the circles of complementary community where we support one another because our task is similar. Joy markers. Energize the joy markers. And for those who can afford it, um, have the help you need. And for those who may not have the financial means to afford the help they need, consider communities of like mind who can assist and do assist one another. Venerable, could you give an example of some ways to energize the joy markers? Yeah. So, as, um, say, with an elder who is uh, in despair about their loss of ability to move, you can recall the moments of joy that you've learned. So one example uh, that's very prevalent in my family 
is to blow bubbles together. Uh, just to watch the expanding bubbles and the scintillating dance of light momentarily takes one's attention from the plight of discomfort, aging, and disease. So with my mama, she was feeling very uncomfortable. We would go out on the patio with her and blow bubbles, and it brought her joy. Also, when uh, you are caring for someone you love and it seems challenging, uh, think of what you've learned from one another. Uh, with uh, a young child who may have special needs, uh, notice the moments of smiles and laughter and as often as you can, replicate those moments. So a joy marker is that moment where there is ease, comfort, and there is no concern about going forward to get something done or going back to fix something. It's your presence fully in the moment. And the breath is deep and the heart is happy. And even the lifting of weight seems more easeful. A joy marker is also the clear apperception of, ah, I understand, ah, we communicate. Thank you. Thank you very much, Venerable. And, uh, Sebastian uh, sends his gratitude as well. He writes, thank you very much, dear Venerable and dear Jennifer. Thank you to have communicated my message. Uh, please excuse my limited way of expressing myself in the English language. All the best. And Jenny says, thank you, Venerable. Your sharing moved my heart and is so helpful. There were lots of things I just needed to hear that I didn't even realize I needed to hear. And we have one more question here written in. Justine writes, when you receive visual signs from the universe, nature, and our guides, like seeing the number nine in a cloud form, how do you decipher it from your mind's eye and balance it with analyzing it from the intellectual standpoint? Is it even important to analyze it with the thinking mind? Uh, yes. When we have messages displayed, whether we see it in the clouds moving across the sky or in the bark of a tree, there is a universal language that seeks to communicate. So numbers have meaning, transition, and the number nine is about moving into overtones. It is also um, the note D up one octave from middle C, which is a, a sound that explores the conversation of heaven and earth. So symbols do become magnifying glasses uh, to reveal that inner conversation 
the universal language of the heart. Thank you, Venerable. And uh, we are at our time here. I would like to uh, bring up and ask you to perhaps speak a little bit about the uh, couple of things that are coming up for people. So you have your summer seminar, July 1st to 5th, and I will be there. Uh, I went to my first one in 20, 2006. And um, so I've gone to quite a number of them since then, probably most of them, maybe eight. And it's literally one of the the most precious things to me that I do all year. It's such a gift to be immersed in the teachings with you day after day, Venerable. It's uh, profoundly healing. And I always feel transformed permanently by the experience and uh, there's nothing else I can really say that I regularly experience in my life that is as profoundly uh, cleansing and clearing and rejuvenating restoring and um, my I feel like my whole light body gets a big tune-up by it and the the dates again this year are uh June uh, July 1st to 5th so it's 4th of July weekend uh for those in the United States it makes it easier for us to uh get away from everything because of the big national holiday and it's such a wonderful time to be in Vermont it's the ideal time actually and um there's uh the wonderful opportunity to also be at the Sunray Peace Village. Uh, and I, as you know, Venerable, I, I camp. Uh, the first year I went, yes. I stayed in a B&B. <laughs> but um, I really prefer to camp, but I'm I'm that kind of a girl. My, my parents raised me up camping. But for those who think, well, maybe camping – uh, let me just say that there is a community building with a, a full kitchen in it, and so we cook. Uh, you can cook your meals there, you, and many times we'll cook meals as a group, which is really fun. And um, there are showers. There's a bathhouse. Uh, there's a couple of them for men and for women. And so it's not like you have to cook over a campfire unless you would like to. So, um, and tents are not expensive, and you can get help putting one up if you've never done that before. They're pretty easy to put up these days. And um, it's just a, a wonderful opportunity to be in community. People come from all over the world to participate in the summer seminar. And uh, it's a sweet, sweet time of community and spiritual practice and learning sacred dance and uh, just celebrating and celebrating the wonderful foods and summer experience in Vermont and um, uh, for those who are interested you can go to beautywayproductions.com and to find out more uh, Venerable what else might you like to share about this time in uh, July well it is an opportunity to explore the wisdom of the heart 
supported by the sweet breath of nature. The valley in which we live is considered the valley of the Holy Mother is configuration. It is like a, a woman lying down and from her springs arise and they flow down the river. At the waterfall is a sacred cave where one can find uh, precious red clay. And uh, as the water flows further south, it goes into the Atlantic. So it is a place of many springs. And for the Cherokee, it is a peace village and a place to make prayers and send good medicine into all realms. The water goes from this area, both north and south. So it is quite a remarkable place. The teachings that I wish to uh, accentuate during these five days are to see your natural face, your true face, observing the robes that we wear and have worn by observing the reflection of timelessness in a mirror. And so we will do spiritual practice of dancing, stretching, breathing, and according to each person's call, we go more deeply into the awareness of who you are and the actualization of your skill sets that you may manifest what you've come here to do. And actually, the people who come are very much manifesting what they've come here to do. Hmm. And so it is a polishing of skill, and we are looking at methods through which we can uh, assist those who call upon us. Thank you. And the other thing I'd like to call people's attention to is your mentoring program, the one-on-one -on -one mentoring program. Uh, in order to uh, participate, there's an application to fill out. And uh, again, the information is at Beauty Way Productions. I, I have been participating in Venerable's mentor program. I find it extremely valuable. And is there anything more you'd like to say about that, Venerable? Yes, I will uh, begin the cycle of the mentoring program again um, in the autumn with a small group of people. And the intention of the program is to support those who are therapists, healers, parents, those who are called upon by others for guidance. So it is for um, those who care for many, I wish to share with you skill sets and methods that you may very clearly ameliorate the appearance of confusion and reveal the pathways of joy with your family, clan, and co-workers and clientele. Beautiful. So, Venerable, I would love to close with the long life prayer. If there's anything Thank else you. you'd like All right. 
Emanation of rainbow light, Dharma wisdom, three fires bright, guide upon the beauty road, calling all to see, crystal reflection, boundless compassion, caller of four winds, wise grandparents, seven sisters, may your mission be accomplished, may we assist you in the light, may you receive many blessings and live a long good life, we thank you Dahani Oahu, Gift to the people, great mystery, great lady of the Buddha families who holds the secret Vajrayana in the lotus grove of the teachings of the practice lineage. You are the glory of the Buddha's teachings and of sentient beings. Blessed of the Vajra Dakini, may your life to Haniawahu ever remain firm and long. May all beings in this and all worlds experience joy, joy, and more joy, and reach the shore free of illusion. Wado. Seeing you each in the light of clear awareness that our hearts are connected through time and space, and it is good.